You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 134. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So, on today's show, I have Katie Meyer Dager. She's one of our finalists for the International Home Staging Awards last year in 2020. Her project was actually an occupied home staging project that was done during the COVID lockdown. So I thought this would be something important to discuss. It's not something we really talk about in the industry, and I think a lot of times we don't really think about future proofing our home staging business. So it is important to actually figure out how can we pivot, how can we be creative, and how can we think outside the box to really prepare for the unexpected. And I think Katie did a great job of this and was able to adapt quickly for COVID. So instead of doing the occupy staging project in person, she was able to adapt her business practice for virtual and achieve the results for a home staging client. This is something I feel very strongly about, and I think it's actually very important. And so that's why we actually have incorporated this part, you know, future proofing your home staging business into the final phase of our new home staging professional career certificate. I think it's really important to think about a few steps ahead. And really anticipate the potential challenges in our staging business, and what can we encounter? I think, especially with service-based business, it's not like product where we're essentially trading time for dollars. So when we become unavailable, for example, let's say maybe I got sick, or I want to take a family vacation, I'm not able to work, then our service-based business will stop. We're not generating income. So it's really important to think about how can we. Think outside the box and be creative, and also play with our business model so we can really essentially future-proof our businesses. It's essentially like playing a chess game. You definitely have to think a few steps ahead. So in this episode, we discuss the process of remote staging consultations, some of the challenges people might face, especially dealing with technology, or also maybe of homeowners who are not really savvy with technology. In general, just working with homeowners, especially on an occupied project setting. We also discussed the staging project that Katie has submitted for the awards, and she actually has sent us more photos for the project as well. We have included them in our show notes, so you can just go to stagemore.com/podcast, find her episode, and then look at all those photos. So before we get started today, just a quick reminder: we have a new monthly challenge going on, and this month's theme is bedroom. So send us your bedroom before and after photos, so we can feature you. Just go to stagingawards.com/challenge, and you can find out more about the details about our monthly challenge. We also post about this on our Instagram, so feel free to pick up the details there too. And our very first virtual open house for the school is happening right now. So this Wednesday on August 18th at noon, I'm going to be on Instagram Live answering any questions you may have. Even if you're not interested in the certification, that's totally fine. Just come on by and ask your questions. It'll be great to see you. I had a great time last week spilling the tea with Daniel from Stage Spaces in LA. And if you guys missed that lunch hour show, just head over to our Instagram at Stage for More to watch a replay. Daniel was amazing. He was someone that I follow for a long time on Instagram. Their work is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. And we just really had a very honest conversation about what it was like for both of us actually starting out in the staging industry.、I、actually, talk about how petrified I was, and I wanted to actually get out of my first home staging project because that was how scared I was with my first project. So if you miss it live, you can definitely watch a replay on our IGTV. Just go on Instagram. 
And we are launching the career certificate program this week. This is really more like a soft launch because we just really want to open up to our super fans. We really didn't publicize it. Like there's not a big marketing campaign for it. It's just really announcing it over podcasts, over our emails, and also on Instagram. So if you're interested, please definitely do check it out. Just go to stagefromore.com slash open house. You'll find out all the detail. You can also register for the final live Q&A on Thursday, August the 19th, and also watch a replay from this Tuesday's information session and the QA as well. Do come by to the live though. I would love to see you. Again, if you are not interested in certification, but you have a few questions about running your home staging business, just come on by and we'll answer it. And then also this week, it is the special, you know, it's the very super early bird prize. So you're going to get the lowest price if you're interested in the certification. It is intense. I'm not going to lie. You know, we really model this after higher education. As most of you know, listening to the podcast, I've gone to master's degree while running the business. And there's a lot of things I love about higher education. So I had incorporate, I think, what is the best part of them inside of our program as well. So it's definitely going to be comprehensive, but there's also going to be a lot of elements that are really high touch, meaning that you're going to get office hour and implementation sessions essentially at least every other week. There's always a chance to speak with us, you know, either me and Courtney throughout the week, every single week, in addition to your peers. So there's going to be a lot of community support, but also a lot of accountability as well. Like Courtney is going to be managing everyone's progress. She essentially is the advisor, the student advisor. So she's going to be keeping track of your progress. So if you're falling behind, we'll definitely nudge you to pick it back up. There's definitely also milestones in between phases. So you cannot actually move on to the next phase until you finish up your milestone, just like how you would in a graduate program. So you know, it's really important for us to make sure that we're putting out a program that is high value and high impact. And for the longest time, I really hesitated. I really did not want to do a certification program, but it was really a good mindset check from our team members because they were like, well, Cindy, you can make your own and make it really impactful in the way you want to run it. So this is it. So we're launching it this September, but this week is definitely the soft launch. So come on by and say hello, and I'd love to see you. All right, so that's it for today's announcement, and let's start the show. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I was really impressed with your project that you submitted for last year's International Home Staging Awards. So you were a finalist in the Occupy Home Staging category, and then you sent us this project that is an Occupy Luxury Condo. And I thought that was really impressive seeing how everyone was in lockdown at the time. And so for podcast listeners who are listening to the episode right now, we're going to put the project photos in the show notes. So you can just go to the show notes on our website at stage to take a look. But before we dive into the project and also your process, can you tell us a little bit about your home staging business and how did you get into staging? Yeah, thank you for having me here. I love the home staging show and it was an honor to participate in the staging awards last year. So my business is relatively new. I started on the side in 2018. I previously worked in a nonprofit setting full-time and I felt really burnt out all the time. I 
was always spending time on my own house projects, helping friends and family and just like obsessively looking at real estate and thinking, gosh, you know, this house could look so much better or this house is a gem, you know, if the right person just bought it and fixed it up. And so I started investigating home staging businesses and real estate and doing some information gathering. And in 2019, I left my full-time job and started Glad Eye Design Studio, which is an occupied home staging business. And I do some smaller redesign projects. That's great. So I was really impressed by your background, actually, because you work in human service-based nonprofits for a very long time. So how do you take that experience in counseling and art therapy and apply that into your home staging business now? Yeah, well, I'm a helper at heart always. And so I think that same sentiment, especially working in the occupied setting, to really care about helping people. I think homes are our largest investment and asset. And if you can eke out every dollar out of a home sale, I think that is just so important. So I really use that sort of helper aspect with it, as well as, you know, in the nonprofit, I know how to stretch a dollar as far as it can go. And so I really try to be as resourceful as possible with clients and use what they already have or can easily obtain or can modify to make work for them in their home. And my art therapy background is also really a helping profession, but it has its roots also in the creative process. And so it's really important to me to be able to use the design skills I've learned through education and just being an artist as well as understanding color and shapes and textures and how all those things work together, especially you know, staging listing photos are so crucial to the success of a listing. So being able to translate the positive features of a home into a successful listing photo as well. Yeah, and also I think selling a home is such an emotional process as well. So I'm sure your counseling background that really comes through. So it's such an emotional process and such an emotional time too for home sellers most of the time. Oh, for sure. And selling is overwhelming, no matter what. And buying is, especially in this market. And we have to remember that people aren't always selling their home under exciting terms or happy terms. And so really being able to approach every seller with an individualized approach to what's going on in their lives, where they are really stressed, where they feel excited or don't feel excited and being able to meet them where they're at and really honor kind of how long they've owned their home. I have a lot of sellers that have raised families in their homes and been there for a very long time. And that is for sure emotional to come in and try to depersonalize it and envision new people owning that house. And so being able to hear sellers where they're at and also understand what's important to them and sort of what they are willing or willing unwilling to do in the process really helps me make sure that I can customize recommendations in a way that motivates them to get through the long to-do list to sell as well as feel okay and ready to move on in the process. I think that's amazing. So what attracted you to Occupy Home Staging? So how did you decide this was the niche that you want to get into? Well, as I mentioned, I did a lot of research with other home stagers and some real estate agents, both in my area as well as outside of my direct area. I'm in Wisconsin in the US. And there are a lot of vacant stagers in my area. So I felt like there was good representation of that. And I was leaving a full-time salaried position to take this leap to start my own business. So I felt like I had to make really smart business decisions about 
not having overhead, not having inventory, storage, movers, all the things that come along with owning a vacant staging business. And so I like the idea, the very appealing parts of working with what people have. It just kept me really nimble as a small business until I got my feet under me, really. So I also liked the occupied side of the business because I feel like we live in an era of consumption about a lot of different things. And it feels good just to know that what people have is being used and that also from a seller perspective, their money is going towards making improvements or repairs or changes to their home that are going to increase their sale price versus spending a lot of money on items like staging or decor that will leave when they leave their house as well. Yeah. And then also, I think when we were prepping the call, you also mentioned editing. So editing is something that you really enjoy doing and you feel like it was something that you can apply into the Occupy staging process. Editing is my most powerful tool. I joke that anybody can stage your house if they're really good at editing. And it is the piece that really shows off the fixed assets of a home. So I feel most of us that live in our homes have just way too much of our own stuff in order to be able to sell it effectively and be able to showcase your windows, your floors, your finishes, other pieces that are really the home. And so being able to use that is a free way to make your house immediately improve. And when I start with sellers, I always start with editing. And I think that they immediately see the improvement and that gives them the motivation to just keep on going with all the recommendations. Yeah, that's right. So let's start talking about the project itself and also your process. I was really intrigued. This digital consultation is very new. And most of the time, I think real estate people in general are very resistant of technology. And so the silver lining of COVID-19 was that it really legitimized of potential of doing business on the internet. So how has COVID-19 impacted your home staging business? Immediately, I had to go digital in order to accept jobs. Our area was in a really strict lockdown for the first few months of COVID. And so staging was deemed a non-essential business. So in order to accept jobs, I had to be willing to provide a format and a workflow that was going to meet the need of agents and sellers. Since then, actually, there's been some modifications that have come through my own report writing that were really successful in the virtual format that I now just include even in my in-person consultations, as well as I offer redesign projects now digitally, which has been really nice because I serve clients outside of my area and it's much better use of my time. I can do that outside of all my in-person appointments as well. That's pretty cool. So when I hear workflow, my ears perk up as I'm such a nerd. <laughs> so tell me about your workflow. So how has COVID-19, the virtual process, how does that change your in-person process? I had to create some systems to make sure that I was providing the same level of service every time with every client in a way that could sort of stand on its own legs. So if I'm in person, you know, I might help a seller fluff their pillow, show them quickly how to make their bed or quickly restyle some of their shelves. And when I'm virtual, I can't do those things. I can try to talk them through it or guide them through it. But what I realized pretty quickly was that I needed to create some tutorials or a quick sort of infographics for clients so that when I send them the report, I can say, make your bed according to my bed styling guide at the end of this report. And in that guide, I have pictures, I have little bullet notes about 
pillow sizes, different things they can do, how to fold their blankets, just little tricks and tips that stagers know and just do without thinking, but that a homeowner might feel just frustrated with and trying to implement it or wondering if it's perfect. So I created some format pieces to add on to my regular reports. But then I changed all my reports to being very, very visual. A lot of staging reports are narrative-based and they're bullet points. And sometimes they'll be like 10 pages long of just words. And for some sellers, that's overwhelming or people are impatient and don't have the time or energy to go through all of it. So I now created a report that is picture-based and it's room by room so that you open it up, it says living room and I have a picture of your living room and red X's on every single thing that needs to be pre-packed or edited out of that space. And then some notes about what to add back in or some inspiration photos if I'm guiding someone on how to style a shelf or arrange the room, I'll mock up a little drawing or include just a picture of what some nicely styled open shelves might look like and they can interpret it from there. And I can't take all the credit for that process. I'm a member of Bobby McGrath's Occupied Consultation Specialist Group. I took her training. And as COVID was happening, Bobby really rallied around all of her trained stagers and we all worked through a process together. And so a lot of my enhanced process is from Bobby's guidance. So so thank you, Bobby, if you listen to this. I love that. I love Bobby. She's one of my favorite people on earth. And Mm -hmm. I think she's amazing. And I think it's great that you guys all rally together and figure out the process itself. And I think this conversation is actually really important because I think most home stagers undervalue what the client experience is going to be. So even though something as simple as a report, if it's very heavily text-based, most people are going to see it as a cell phone contract or something like that. They're just not going to read it. But when you have it very visually done and actually highlight by X's, red X's, to really highlight where they need to change, I think sellers, probably they see it as a much more manageable process for them as well because they can actually check things off. Yeah. And from a workflow perspective, it saves me so much time. Me typing out remove this, remove that. I mean, that's very time consuming. And so I want to maximize my time on a project and make sure that everything I'm doing is effective and that I'm not committing a lot of hours to a project that I won't always see that return. And so it's really helped me to streamline my process. Yeah, that's a good point. And especially I think most stagers charge a flat fee for a consultation report. So the longer you spend time on this particular report, the less money you're actually going to make, right? It's really clever. You put a little bit of elbow grease up front, you created all these guides, and you can just simply refer back to them whenever your client has questions. And I think that's that actually cuts down a lot of time. And also frustration for the clients as well, because they got a very visual tutorial of how things can be done. And so why don't we talk about the overall process? So how do you approach giving consultation remotely? So what is the beginning to the end process for you? So typically agents reach out to me first and say they have a listing, kind of talk through the nuts and bolts of what they're going to list it at, any important characteristics. Then I send an introduction email to the listing agent and to the client and sort of tell them about what to expect from the process. We'll do a Zoom call. You'll need a tablet or a phone, you know, and how to hold your camera, things to expect. And 
the report is crucial for these clients as well, because if you're recording the whole time, you don't have your pen and paper there to take your own notes. And I want the client to really be focused on guiding me through their space. So I talk a lot about what to expect, what they need in terms of supplies or tools. Sometimes I'll have them bring a tape measure if I feel like there are just some odd either proportions to a space or there are pieces that the agent would have told me about beforehand. So I schedule the Zoom call with the client and the listing agent. I tell them what to expect, how to hold their camera or their phone or a tablet. Typically, I tell them to use a phone or a tablet. And then I tell them the Zoom call will be recorded and just other pieces about what to expect. Turn the lights on, open up blinds. I tell people to generally leave their home in its natural state so I can really see everything that they have. And then we schedule the Zoom call and I have the client walk really slowly from room to room. Sometimes I'll have them stop and sort of walk closer or zoom in on certain items, say like artwork or decor or small pieces of furniture. And then I'll make notes sort of as we're going out and use that time to ask questions of the client about different ways they've arranged the room, if there are repairs or other things that they are aware of. I often have to ask a lot more questions in that process because in person, I might notice, you know, a small stain on a ceiling or smudges on the wall, but on the video, you lose a lot of detail. And so I'll really ask clients to point out if there are places in the room that they notice anything. Sometimes a listing agent is there as well, and they're able to point those things out. And then I'll have them take a picture afterwards. And we go through the whole call. And I just use that time as I would as an in-person consultation to ask a lot of questions about what else they might have or what they're open to doing, if it's painting or changing out fixtures or if they have storage solutions. And then we end the call. I go back through the video. I watch the whole thing along with my notes. And then I plug all my recommendations into my report format. And then I prioritize the report, which is another one of Bobby's recommendations. She likes to work off of a priority list. And I feel like that really helps clients understand where the most value is for their efforts. And then oftentimes, once they get through the priority list, they feel great. And so they'll just keep going with the nitpicky things that are later in the report. And I send it off and then they let me know if they have any questions or comments and then they list. That's free ride. I love that. I think priority list is really important because it educates a home seller like where they need to pay attention to. And also if you have a huge laundry list of 60 things they have to do, they just immediately get overwhelmed. I think seller also needs to feel confident that you need to help them build up their confidence as they process through everything you give them in the report. That's so true. And I tell people all the time that if you can get through 75% of what I tell you, I'll be so pleased knowing that, you know, no one always gets 100%. But oftentimes when people get to 75%, they think, okay, what's that 25%? I've already done all this. I can do just that little bit more. And so the priority list is just crucial. Are you still doing a lot of remote digital consultations? Or because the lockdown restriction has been lifted, you're going back to doing in-person consultations now? I do a majority in-person consultations now. I still offer it. Some clients accepted that even as restrictions ease, there's still just been different levels of comfort related to COVID and practices. And so I continue to offer it to any client that wants it or is feeling ill or anyone in their house has been feeling ill. I'll just substitute that time for a virtual appointment instead. But most of them are in-person now. Yeah. So from a Sager standpoint, do you have a preference between the two? 
does it make a huge difference in your business? That's a really good question. I think it depends on the day. Sometimes it is nice to just do it remotely. I can multitask a little bit more or take some time going back through photos and looking at more detail. But I think I do prefer in person because then I can cover things that don't come up on camera like odors or pets or not every client is the best videographer or photographer. And so sometimes there are things that I wouldn't notice if I wasn't in person. And I really want people to get the most value out of the service and to really be able to focus on the fixed assets of their home. And so sometimes those small repairs or just little odd things about a house don't translate well to camera. So being able to address it right there with the seller in person is so helpful. So do you usually just have them use their cell phone to record everything? Is that how... Okay, That's what most people have done. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, and the still photos afterwards really helps because... I'll often have people move their artwork around or move decor around. And so having a still photo, I can literally just click that photo and put it right into my staging report and say, hang it on this wall or put it right into the photo so they can see exactly how high to hang it on the wall or how to center it on a particular piece of furniture. So you do have a follow-up with them as well to make sure the staging is executed the way you want it. Sometimes. Sometimes it lists without that. And I wish I could get back in there one more time. But I always offer to clients, call me, text me, if you have any questions. And it is great when clients do utilize that because sometimes I do offer additional advice. And other times, they're just doing a rock star job. And I just want to give them lots of kudos so that they can take that enthusiasm and just keep going with the rest of the staging. That's great. So do you feel like remote consultations actually require more preparation on your end? And those will follow up as well. If you don't have a system down, yes, I think that you can spend a lot of time then going back and forth and looking at images or looking at the video and trying to make sure that you captured everything. For sellers and agents, sometimes I do believe that can also provide a little bit more upfront work for them because they have to get me some photos. They have to make sure they're there to take video. So there's a little bit more prep either way. I imagine color would be a bit challenging because depending on the lighting they're filming in, also depending on the quality of their camera, the color can look quite different. So how do you deal with that challenge? I have had that happen a few times. And so what I do is I offer a few choices of similar color. So for instance, I had another listing that had really bright colors on all of their walls and the sellers were not willing to paint all of the walls. So we just chose a few walls that were really like the most saturated, brightest colors that were really the most taste specific and opted to do just a cream or an ivory. And so they also had yellow in there. They had some light blue, they had some light green. And so I offered them three or four different white colors that I thought could play well and just encourage them. They were working with a painter. So I encouraged them to get the swatches and consult with the painter beforehand. But I think in those situations, you have to be ready and willing to offer some options for people. It can't just be a one solution option because it doesn't always work. And as you mentioned, the colors aren't always the same on camera and the way that light hits it naturally as well as in person. Yeah, it is challenging, especially your device. Also, your device may display the color differently too. So it's still very difficult. It's not as easy as an in-person consultation. 100% true. 
So do you have to do a little bit of technology coaching with your sellers and agents? Because I'm assuming they need to hold the camera or their device, whatever it's iPad or iPhone or Android phone, whatever it is, or laptop, a certain way for you to be able to see the room. And also the way how they walk, if they walk super fast, yes. they're just panning through everything. Yeah. Obviously, you can't see any detail. Yes, coaching is crucial. I uh, talk to people and I still tell people this too. They're implementing their own staging recommendations. If they take a picture of the room, I say, you know, your natural tendency is to hold your camera up by your face and snap the photo of the room. But I want you to drop it down to like chest level or even like where your light switches hit on the wall and try to hold it really just straight in landscape orientation because you're going to get a wider view of your room and you're going to get it more at the level where the photographer is going to take it for your listing photos. So you're going to see if there are little ads and ends that are still out of place or if there's artwork that's crooked or just how things look on camera versus in real life face-to-face. So I instruct sellers to hold their camera that same way when we're taking video. It's not the end of the world if they hold it upright, if it's easier. I just really have to encourage people to just move much more slowly than you think you need to. And I'll tell people during the video call too, to slow down or to stand in the back corner of a room, go to the furthest corner and show me from there and pan you know, left to right and right to left. Or... I'll tell people to stand in the doorway and try to get pictures from lots of different angles because there are always little things tucked into corners or that you can't see from just one photo. So really being able to have the advantage of seeing a room from multiple angles before you're done making recommendations is just really important. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think no matter if you're doing consultation in person or online, I think one of the main challenges working with occupied seller is that it can be very overwhelming for them, or maybe they have a very busy family life. Their kids, I was especially during COVID, their kids are all at home. So sometimes they can find a lot of resistance in actually getting things done. So how do you keep your sellers motivated so that they will stage their house based on your recommendations every time? I typically tell people start with just one room at a time. And I always start my recommendations with the pre-packing and editing. It's impossible, in my opinion, to think about how you're going to decorate a room or how you're going to stage it until you get the unnecessary items out of that space. And then when people really only have a percentage of their belongings to work with, they feel like the heavy lifting, the hard work is already done. They can rearrange now based on what is gone. So starting with one room at a time and just starting with like bathrooms are really easy because they're not very sentimental. (laughs) You know, it's really a utilitarian space. So encouraging people to start in spaces that will not immediately overwhelm them. And then once they've got enough traction and movement, the rest just starts to come. And they've sorted through so many things at that point. By the time they get to the more emotional spaces like bedrooms or even you know children's room spaces, that they're much more in a space of either packing and storing or donating or selling and just are moving much more seamlessly through their process. That's great. I love that. And then also, I think it's really important to help them prioritize. So I think having a priority list is really important, very helpful as well. And it sounds like you provide inspirational photos and examples and also tutorials now too, so that they really understand how to put all that together. So what would you say are some of the trickier areas in the house that the sellers always have challenges to finish it? I think closets can be hard for people. And it's been interesting even in COVID, we didn't have any place to go, right? So like I was wearing my sweats a lot of COVID or we're in the same few outfits, but 
some sellers really had a hard time sorting and going through things, even though you don't need formal wear. You don't really need everything. And, and for us, you know, I live in a climate where literally half of the year I don't use my winter items. I don't touch them. And so I'll often tell sellers to prioritize their packing based on what season they're selling in, what they need to use in terms of lifestyle at that time. So sometimes closets, people just, I think, feel overwhelmed or feel like they want to have access to their things, even though they might not need it. Same with kitchens. Kitchens have a lot of gadgets and stuff too. So it does require some pre-planning and thinking about what you'll be cooking, what you'll be using if you're hosting, doing anything in that time that your house is on the market so that you can access it if you need it. But to be able to sort of weed out the items that take up a lot of space or have to sit out, they aren't necessarily everyday items. So I really encourage people to distill down to the everyday items and then even reserving a box or two of sort of like your first night in the new house stuff that you know you're going to want and need that you can keep track of and that you won't worry about it getting lost in the moving shuffle. I love that. So what happens when sellers don't have the right items for staging? For example, maybe they don't have any artwork at all, or their linens are really worn out. So what recommendations do you do for the sellers to purchase that stuff? I typically depends on their time before they hit the market. Within the last year, the luxury of time hasn't really been on our side. Most people invite me in and within three weeks or so, they're ready to list their house. And so I try to source items that are affordable and that are really accessible at some of the big box stores or Amazon. And oftentimes, even with the inspiration photos, they might say, oh, I know someone that has a lamp like that, or my sister has some artwork I can borrow. And so we'll just talk about sort of like general size guidelines, things to look for. I also try to work hard if they know that they need artwork and they don't have it, then I will try to source things that I think would look really lovely with their belongings so that when they get to their new place, they have coordinating decor that they can hang up and feel excited about. But I link it right in my report for them so that they just have to buy it if they want it. That's great. So tell us a little bit about the project you submitted last year for the International Home Staging Awards. What were some of the biggest challenges you've encountered on this project? So that was a listing that was within the first 30 days of our COVID lockdown. It was like one of my first virtual consultations. And that is a considered like a luxury downtown condo in our town. And the home sellers weren't actually living in that property full-time, that was a secondary residence for them. And so the before photos, you can sort of tell that there wasn't a lot of cohesion with their artwork, their finishes, the decor. I mean, it was just sort of like this collection of different interesting and colorful items, but it didn't really lend itself to a really cohesive look for listing photos. And because of the price point, the condo was listed at, I think, $780,000. And so I felt really strongly that it needed to have some particular finishes and feel really streamlined to enter the market at that price point and be successful. So... That project was probably one of the strongest editing projects I've done. And it was also a little tricky because condos don't have the same amount of storage, say a house does between an attic, garage or basement. And so really working with the seller is some contingency planning. If we couldn't get everything we wanted into storage, what items could stay in the space with sort of minimal negative impact on it. So it was a close collaboration between myself and the listing agent to pull all of it off. That's very cool. One of the things it seems like 
for doing consultations like this, you have to work very closely with the agents that you're working with. And it sounds like from your previous conversation and also answers, you usually work very closely with your agents. Is that right? Typically, I like to. I like to know what's important about a listing or about a seller and sort of their opinion on staging and selling and places I might have to either work a little harder to gain their trust and get them excited about it, as well as where the agent feels like there's the most promise in the process as well. Because listing agents are repeat clients. We can work directly with home sellers, but we're an extension of the agent. And so I really want the agent to love working with me and have their sellers love working with me because then they'll continue to use me and prefer me. That's amazing. I totally agree. We are an extension of the agent. And this is why agents sometimes when they're working with a new stager, they may get a little skittish. They're scared that the stager might say something wrong that can piss off their home sellers. So I think that is absolutely more. Yeah, that you're establishing a really strong relationship with your agent. So as a new stager working with an agent you never worked with before, how do you build that rapport? How do you build that relationship with them? I like to ask a lot about what do they like to provide to their clients? What sort of is their style? What do clients experience when they work with them? I talk about sort of my style and my professional persona and how that works and really ensure that we're sort of complementary with each other. I have worked with agents that I know we probably won't work together again if very hands-off or they're not very communicative. And I think it's just about goodness of fit at that point. I think we all as professionals have to figure out who we work well with and what our style of communication is and learn what our agents expect of us as well so that we can deliver and perform in a way that they want to keep working with us and that they consider us to be a part of their successful business. So I think it's a lot about communication and new agents I invite to come with to a consultation or to participate in it so that they can also get an understanding of what I'm like with clients and what it's like to work with me. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think communication is so key and also setting the right expectation with a potential client is also very key because I think that helps with the communication overall as well. If a client has a really high expectation right off the bat and it's impossible for us to fulfill that expectation and naturally they're going to think we're not doing a good job even though we're doing our best. So I think it's really important to have that right in the beginning to make sure we're setting that proper expectation. Yeah. And I think like knowing really clearly what you provide and what you're willing to provide too, I think that we can get pulled into situations as stagers where people might ask us to do more different than we're prepared to do. And what that often ends up with is maybe poor service delivery or the scope or scale get too big. And then it affects sort of our professional reputation and our ability to follow through on that. So what do they say? Over promise or over... <laughs> Under promise, over deliver. deliver. Thank you. Oh my gosh. No, it's, it's, I think that's really important. It's we always try to be over delivering, but we don't yeah. want to over promise that because like, the client remembers. Like you think they might forgot it, but they do. And when they do remember and you, and you didn't deliver, they're going to be very upset. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And our job is to make clients feel really good too. Most people I work with as home sellers have never had a stager in their house before. They're very nervous before I get there. They're worried I'm going to come in and critique all of their stuff and make them feel bad about how they've decorated their home. And so I think being able to approach people in a really non-judgmental way and make it really clear that 
Staging is really just a part of a marketing plan and that my job is to make them as much money as possible on their listing and make sure it stands out really helps to lower people's guard and explain, you know, I'm not here to decorate your home. I'm here to help you sell your home for as much as you can get. So, yeah, no, I think you brought up a really good point because I think sellers can feel being attacked personally. Because mm-hmm. there's a stranger coming in telling them about, oh, this house should be decorated this way or for staging or whatever it is. They don't understand it's staging. They think it's decorating. So they're going to think that, oh my God, I did not decorate my house. It's not up to par. And she's being judgy and all this stuff. And so it can be like they're putting up a wall even before you get there. Absolutely. One thing I started doing that I noticed immediately had a huge benefit was just to find something positive about every space in a home. and highlight that with the sellers, compliment them on things. I mean, sometimes it's even for a home, like it just gets great natural light and it's beautiful. And that's a huge selling point. And the better people feel, the more that they're willing to do the things that you're asking them, even if they're not totally sure if it's going to be successful while they're doing it. But it just, it makes a huge difference. If you feel good, you do good. Yeah. And have you ever worked with sellers who are very resistant with the whole process? Yes. Damn. <laughs> How did you resolve it? I think that's what we all want to know. Uh, I think it's about just like meeting people where they're at. I use humor a lot when I'm meeting with people and just try to lighten the mood and even just find little successes and things. And in those cases, when people are really resistant, I feel like I really do work to turn on the charm with them and help them feel good about the process, keep looking forward and moving forward. And sometimes then I'll even just refine the priority list even more. If I think they might not do any of this, like what are the five things that they have to do to make this really move in a positive direction? And so I'll just simplify because sometimes people are resistant for a whole lot of reasons that I have no control over. So it's really about just kind of making this a little bit less of a burden for them. Yeah. You never know what people are dealing with. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It it can be a very traumatic experience that triggered a sale. You just never know. And sometimes they don't tell their agents the full picture either. And we as real estate professionals working in people's homes sometimes kind of get the brunt of it. They take it out on us, unfortunately. So we have to manage those kind of expectations. Absolutely. I tell myself, you're just not that important all the time because it really isn't about us. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's so sad that we say that, but I think in a way it is true because it, it's really actually not about us. Sometimes it's not even about our professional opinions, it's really about selling the house. And sometimes we might have to compromise a little to in order to get the seller to engage with us to get to the point where the house looks presentable for sale. Any progress is good progress. I really do celebrate every success. There are certainly homes that have been through and that I had a big list for and that did it hit the market looking exactly like I hoped it would have? No. But does it look 10x or more better than when I got there? Absolutely. And so I think we just have to say any improvement is a good improvement. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of respect for Occupy Home Stagers because I think it's actually much more challenging to stage Occupy Homes versus vacant homes. I think vacant homes is more like a dictatorship. Like the house is already blank. So I basically just do whatever I want with it. If the seller's not happy, oh well. But with Occupy Staging, it's tricky because sellers oftentimes are living in the home. They have to live with your choice. And so a lot of times you really have to take their lifestyle into account as well. Absolutely. And that's another trick, you know, that I learned from Bobby is really if a resistant home seller 
is having a hard time with some of the furniture arrangement changes or things like that, then we'll compromise and say, oh, it's just for listing photos and showings and really give them an out to say, if you can do this a few times and we can get pictures and you can put it this way for showings and you can live comfortably when no one else is watching. And sometimes that helps people or then they just don't want to move it again. So they just go along with it and they compromise themselves. But Occupied is definitely, it's a different flavor and not everyone enjoys it. There are times where I do feel envious looking at vacant stages and all the beautiful furniture. And like you said, that it is this blank canvas that you really get to be completely creative with and decide what you want to do. But I really love the rewards of the Occupied side too. And I, I get so surprised sometimes when I see a listing photo that I wasn't sure if the seller was going to be able to really get through everything with success. And then I'm just blown out of the water when I see their listing photos and the house looks gorgeous and they did everything I said to do and some more. And so it's really fun to see and sellers get so excited too when they see their listing photos stand out compared to the other ones. Yeah, I think the transformational power of home staging is really incredible that way. And it's something that we can do to really help our home sellers to get to a better place after their sale. And I find that very rewarding. That's the best part of our job, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I love the transformation. I live for it. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm glad we're really having this conversation because no one really talk about the remote consultation. I think it's interesting to hear about the pros and cons of both. And I think the thing is with offering consultation remotely can also be a way to have a more income potential as well, because now you are not limited to your geographic location anymore. You can essentially give consultation to anyone in the world. Absolutely. Now I just need more help marketing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was coaching a student yesterday, a stager, and she just moved from Michigan to Atlanta. And I was like, well, actually, now you can do consultation in both locations because you already know your whole market very well. And now you're working in new market. So I think it's just really a matter of finding the right market for your skill set and then figure out how to optimize your website. You know, with yes. SEO, writing blog posts and stuff like that. Internet nowadays, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we have had clients from our town finding us. And then I've given actually remote consultations. They're not located in where I was working in, which was San Francisco Bay Area. So there are a lot of potential out there. It's just a matter of being found. Absolutely. And I mean, COVID really forced a lot of people to figure out different ways to do their work. And some people really enjoy it and want to adopt those practices as they're forever now. But I think like this sort of limitless opportunity is just really awesome. Yeah. So there's pros and cons for both. I think it just it's up to us to figure out what is best for our home staging business. So my last question for you is just what is your number one tip that you will give to home stager when it comes to doing remote consultations? Well, set up your processes and your workflows. That is really, really important to being able to utilize your on-camera time with your clients and not feel flustered, like you're trying to pay attention to too many things. Record your Zoom because then you can go back and rewatch it in your own time as much as you need to until you feel confident in your recommendations. And just slow down. It's everything feels like it happens faster when you're on camera or when you're recording something. But if you can just slow your process down, slow the seller or the agent down and really just take your time, 
being curious and investigating every part of the space that you're recording, then you'll get so used to it. It'll feel like you're doing an in-person consultation. It'll feel like second nature. That's amazing. That's great advice. So thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.